Lindsay. Martha. Our last episode of the season, season two, is, we're excited to say, about a very um, cool, like, new idea that kind of just, like, fell into our laps. Um, the lovely Heather Jackson, who is the director of the Sunflower School in Ontario, Canada, reached out to us with this awesome proposal for an episode where she talks about, you know, project work should be fueled by verbs instead of nouns. And what we mean by that is like, instead of like, oh, the kids are really interested in like police officers, let's do community helpers. She's saying, find the verb there and use the police officer. Okay, look, they're playing police officer. They're interested in, you know, the transporting of like bad guys from back and forth across the room to and from from jail or whatever. And that's really the verb and really the um, center of what they're in, of where their interests, she doesn't say interest, she says play intentions. That's where their play intention lies. Yeah, she just like, she definitely gives like practical tips that are like accessible to educators and just like a whole new perspective on how you can really kind of transform your classroom and think about projects that are Reggio inspired um, and just really take projects to a whole new, whole new level. And she also talks a lot about play schemas. So if you don't know about those, you'll get a little introduction on that. And those are also a whole new way of looking at your classroom. So we really enjoyed our conversation with her today. It was amazing. Uh, and she also provides training work, I'm sorry, training on project work in the Reggio Inspired Practice. And I just want to say like, this is an awesome, awesome way to think about project work if it's something you struggle with. Um, it really is a way to, it's just like once, I felt like once this got introduced to us, we were like, whoosh, and like our minds, like our, like we had this crazy mind shift and like where we were blind, now we can see. I don't yeah. know, maybe that's dramatic, but that's how I felt. No, but it was, it was a very refreshing new way to look at it. It just, it does make it easier and it makes it like more authentic. And like we talk about with Heather, it makes it way more grounded in the play. And it takes you out of the idea of like, what activity should I put out? And it's more about like, what interesting materials can I add? And, and, and it makes everything a lot more active. So projects as verbs. Projects as verbs, just say it over and over again. Also, before we get into the interview, if you haven't already, head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review our podcast, and that really just helps push our show out to more educators so we can access more people. Love it. Also, please follow us on Instagram. We post little tips and just some practical takeaways and just little stories throughout the day. So Yeah, and in our off-season, which begins right after this episode, we'll be hopefully posting as much as we can about all the episodes that we did this season, last season, and all the new stuff we're learning on our way to our next season. Um, anyway, without any further ado, here is our awesome interview with Heather Jackson. Okay, well, Heather, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we're very excited to chat with you about this, especially because since 
we've heard about this from you. We've definitely been delving deep into it in our class. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for being here. How about to start, we just get into a little bit of your background and like where you live and work and how you sure. got into EC. Okay. So I'm the executive director of the Sunflower School in Orangeville, Ontario, Canada. And we had snow today. So that was really fun for our kiddos. Yes. Yes. So not fun for us, but fun for the kids. So um, we're about an hour outside of Toronto. And uh, we had before COVID about 300 children, 40 staff, um, we have three sites and uh, we work in the Regio Inspired Practice. And I have been working since 1999 in the Regio Inspired Practice. And I've also been an educator, early childhood educator for about 40 years. So my heart and soul is early childhood. Um, and uh, if you work in this field, you understand uh, what I what I said. So yeah, uh, and I, I've been really fortunate to travel to Reggio Italy on the study tours twice. Um, they were amazing. Um, professional development of a lifetime. Um, if yeah, if you go or have a chance to go when everything opens back up again, truly amazing. So. Um, yeah, that's about me. And I've traveled all over the U.S. to the Opal School, to the Boulder Journey School, to the St. Louis Reggio Collaborative, and I've been to New York City for the Naria Conference and saw the Blue School. That was amazing. That's um, awesome. I've never heard of the Blue School, actually. So that's yes. like one I need to look into. Need yeah, to so it's actually the Blue Man Group that performs in Las Vegas. Yes. So one of the group members had a preschool child lived in New York City was looking for a preschool that was innovative and just out of the box thinking. He didn't find it and in New Jersey or on the other shore of New Jersey because you could see the New Jersey bridge. It was all fishing village and fishing canneries and the buildings. And so the city gave him the building for free like he's got 20 years free rent on this gorgeous brownstone and he made it into the blue school and he all his innovation all the stuff they do in their group. It's in the school amazing oh, the blue man yeah. would really be like just having seen it i saw it like an absurd amount of times growing yes up. oh really yeah <laughs> so i feel like well first of all my family was just big fans my brother had his bar mitzvah there and oh <laughs> wow so you have to look them up online yeah, you have that's to find awesome. them. yes that's yes. awesome wow yeah. very innovative yeah. performance anyway so that would yes be cool. yes yeah. Um, so, okay, great. Well, um, why don't you like outline a little bit of what you brought to us and sure. um, kind of get into like the idea behind what project work is usually centered around and right. your thinking. Okay. So on my journey through all this research on the Reggio inspired curriculum, um, I always get the question, especially from my educators or when I do training sessions, you know, how do you start? How do you figure out what the children's interests are? And I prefer to say what the children's play intentions are rather than interests. Interests are very passive. 
Um, I, I always look at it as nobody wants to know that I've watched The Young and the Restless since I was 14 years old, <laughs> right? So they, but my interest and my passion is early childhood and especially Reggio. So that's important. Yeah. Um, so uh, basically uh, my theory, and it wasn't my original idea. Um, I attended uh, about five years ago, uh, sort of a network group of people really looking into Reggio. They were kindergarten teachers, preschool teachers, early childhood educators, and we were talking about this, how do you start? And then we were talking about how do you move away from themes, which are very pre-packaged curriculum. You open a book and you say, this is what I'm going to do this week. Right. to the more Reggio, really in-depth, big idea thinking and complex thinking. Right. And so we were talking, well, themes are nouns and like firefighters and ladybugs and your community helpers, whereas verbs are action and bigger ideas. So this one kindergarten teacher said, well, I think theme our projects are verbs. And oh my God, for me, my brain went, whoa, that is amazing because children are active, full body play. Um, they fully engage in really interesting activities. And so, um, so for me, it was now to take it and what was I going to do with it? That was the exciting part for me. Um, and how do I incorporate it into my Reggio? Because in the Reggio inspired practice, it's not a prepackaged, prescribed um, curriculum. It's not like Montessori where everything is very planned out. Reggio is very free flow, um, very um, how innovative your teachers are, what materials and loose parts you're using, how creative can is your program, right? And so for teachers that are very much in the box, <laughs> it's really hard to move forward on that. And I've worked with lots of educators that have been found it so difficult. Um, what they want is the prepackaged and it's hard to move to that free flow. I think even too, like it is, you're in your mind, you feel like, yeah, I'm free flowing and I'm, you know, I'm observing for their interests. Right. And, and you're, you have the best of intentions, I think. And you see like, oh, this child loves ladybugs because they're picking up the ladybugs. This actually happened right. that week. The ladybug, oh. it warmed up in Chicago for a week and all yes. the ladybugs just like emerged. And so my kids were obsessed with the ladybugs. And, you know, I was like thinking like, okay, they really like these bugs. Like, what can we do? And like the things that were coming to my mind were like, things that I knew had very little meaning, like painting a yeah. like painting, like, obs like observing a ladybug and painting it is great, yes. but yes, not, it's, it's not delving deeper really. And once then we actually talked to you and I was able to flip it and say, yes. Oh, they're collecting. They are, they are yes. enjoying this going out onto the playground with this little critter cage that we have. Yes. <laughs> and these poor ladybugs. Poor things, yeah. The ride of their lives. <laughs> but yeah, it really was yes. a mind shift for us. 
Right. And yeah. so it, it, the book, 100 Languages of Children, which Leila Gandini, George Foreman, Carolyn Edwards, mm -hmm. um, they wrote, there is an actual story about ladybugs on a playground, and I'll just tell you about it. So again, ladybugs on the playground, children are fascinated. They're on their hands, moving all over the place. The poor little ladybugs trying to get away from the kids. Yeah. <laughs> and so the ladybugs moving all over the place, and the teacher's asking where's the ladybug going? And the kids are watching and looking. And this one little child said, the ladybug looks like it's lost. It needs a map. So then all of a sudden that teacher went, whoa, that is a big idea. So mapping is part of early childhood, looking at maps, kindergarten curriculum. For us in Ontario, mapping is part of our curriculum. So they built a city with sticks and stones. They were building uh, airports, runways, uh, landing pads. They were making signs like stop here. They were making buildings and houses. So all of a sudden this little ladybug became this big massive project on mapping. So now they're drawing maps and they're helping the ladybug get to, I don't know, their mummy. Yeah. Um, so it just went on and on. And I was like, that is what, so the ladybug was the vehicle to get to the verb, which was mapping. And that teacher was able to translate that interest or intention of the children into a verb. And it, and it all stayed, sorry to interrupt you, it all stayed very play-based, it sounds yes. like. It did not yes. turn into like, sit down and let's learn about a map. Let's learn yes. about the ladybug, you know? Yes, and it was no worksheets, none of that. It was yeah. all children drawing maps and learning about north and south and, you know, where do you go and mom's GPS and all of that was... Um, and they're excited because yes. it, it, they're playing it out. You know? Yes. Yeah. And and they can translate that to their teacher, to their parents, to their siblings. You know, we're making maps. Everybody knows about maps. I mean, but I think kids in about five, six years will not know about maps. <laughs> but right now, maps are, you know, important. And how do we get there, right? How do we get places? So, um, so that was one story that I just loved. It kind of just, for me, was like, this is you know, verbs are where we go. Yeah. 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 I love how you said um, children are active, like full body play. Like they're always engaged in that full body play because this is like thinking of projects as verbs and that getting that action, that full body play in there is so important. Like you can get the pre-literacy and all the math and stuff included in all yes. of body play experiences. Yeah. So right. really and a great way to look at it. Like such an a, um, accessible way for teachers to really like think about right. their projects. Right. And some of the work we do, um, I'll tell you a story about the recycle truck. So we have a big recycle truck on our, that comes up to our building uh, twice a week. Mm -hmm. And they're huge, uh, huge wheels, massive noises, and they do all kinds of cool things. So our kids can hear it coming down the street. So the toddlers run to the fence screaming and yelling and happy to see the recycle truck. And uh, I had a new educator on the playground at the time and she She's watching, she wants to do such a good job and do like this amazing project that she's watched at the Sunflower School while she was a student and then we hired her. And so she was, she was watching and she said to me, I'm gonna do a project on recycle trucks. And I was like, okay, tell me why. 
And so um, this was early on in my thinking about nouns to verbs. So yeah. I said, okay, tell me why. So she told me about their play after they were running really, really fast on the playground, pretending they were trucks, pretending they were the big noises and, you know, typical toddler play, very active. They were throwing stuff in the air. Um, they were, had their wheelbarrows, they were picking up garbage and throwing it. And so I said, okay, let's watch again for the, for Thursday. So on Thursday, again, the same thing happened. The truck comes down the road, kids scream to the fence. So I said, okay, what's fascinating for the children here? What is it that is capturing their attention? What are their intentions? Not their interests, but what is their intentions in their play when they see this truck and so we talked about lots of things about the big noises that it makes and then finally we got to the movement the moving of the truck was the fascinating piece for the toddlers and so it became a whole large project on moving they love ramps and balls and does a block roll like a ball like there were so many questions in this research project um, that was so rich and children were so involved in it um, even parents, you know, bringing stuff from home that can roll or doesn't roll so that children can see what rolls and what doesn't roll. Um, taking apart a bike and the tires on the bike. Uh, different things like that. Not sitting at a table doing a worksheet, right? right. Uh, this was full body, like I said, like active. Children are hands-on concrete learners. Uh, and this really was a rich project for her. But again, she was going with the recycle truck. And once we reframed it into a verb, it became amazing. So the recycle truck was a little part of it, but all the other moving trucks and cars and planes were part of it too. So true. Cause like it does kind of limit too, even when you just yes. narrow it down. But also uh, let's talk about like the reframing a little bit. So how, like, can you get more into like how you get there and like the question? Right. Yeah. So as a teacher in, as any teacher, not only just in the ratio, but we have to look at projects as we are the researcher. We co-construct learning with our children. So we are the researchers. So part of what we do, and we have planning time uh, where there's lots of discussions about what are the children interests in. All of our educators have journals. We're recording answers. Um, we're recording questions that children are asking. We're recording play that's happening. So when you come to your planning time, you have lots of information to be able to either make your project richer or start a new project. Um, so how we do that is that discussion. Like the children are fascinated by, I don't know, uh, I have a story about the moon. So um, I was on a playground with uh, four-year-olds getting on a bus to go to kindergarten. And it was September and I, we were waiting for the bus. And one little guy looked up at the moon and he said, Heather, the moon's out in the sky. And it's like 8.30 in the morning. And I looked up and I was like, I had never in all my years noticed that the moon is in the sky sometimes during the day. And I was like, did I miss some phenomena? I didn't see it on the news. Like what's going on? So I being a really good <laughs> educator did not answer his question. I asked him, what do you think? And that is the most important question for an educator. What do you think? And so he looked up there and he didn't have an answer and the bus came and he left. Well, the next day, the same thing happened, but I Googled. 
I was an adult and I Googled because it was like, I came home and I told my husband, I said, the moon was out at 8.30 in the morning. What is that? <laughs> and so I Googled it. And um, so when there's a full, I'll tell you what the real story is. When there's a full moon, the moon and the earth are really close together. So mm -hmm. you see the moon in the sky during the day. Well, right. now I see it every full moon. I see the moon in the sky. It's hilarious. Anyways, so we get to Tuesday. He asks the same question. I tell him the same thing. I say, what do you think? We go Wednesday. By Wednesday, all of the children now that are waiting for this bus are fascinated by why the moon is still in the sky. So we get to Friday and he asks me the same question. And his mom even said to me at night, she says, oh my God, he keeps asking me about the moon in the sky. <laughs> she, said, she said, I don't know. You tell me. And I said, what do you think? <laughs> I know why the moon's in the sky. And I said, you have to Google it and then come back and tell me. But anyways, um, so Friday he's there and he looks very excited. He, he, I know he has an answer. So he looks up and he said, I asked, he asked me again and he says to me, Heather, the moon forgot to go to bed. Oh my gosh, my brain just exploded at that moment because first of all, he's now put a personality on the moon. And so maybe an educator would have been like, oh, let's do a project on the moon. But where I went was storytelling. It is about storytelling. He made that character a personality. Uh, he was, had a purpose that he forgot to go to bed. And so he told that story about why, how he forgot to go to bed, that he was so busy in his day and is so busy in his night that he forgot to go to bed when it, the sun came up. So, um, and it became a storytelling project and not about the moon. The moon was the vehicle to get there, but it was about storytelling. And then it went on for the whole year. Like the whole, like we did all kinds of storytelling. That's great. And I need to say two things. That's great because we know in early childhood that things like space and, you know, other yes. faraway places are just, I mean, they're a little abstract for, yes. for this age. And so that's like such a great place to take it. But I need to tell you why that story is so amazing. Oh, <laughs> okay. I don't know if you remember this, but last week, oh. the same exact thing happened to us. This little boy knows oh. the moon in the sky. We right. said, what do you think? He goes, yes. he, and he right away goes, well, the moon forgot to go down when the sun came up. Came up, yes. And he gave us the same story, which is insane. Yes, and so then what do you do with that, right? Lots yeah. of times educators, oh, that's so cute, right? Yeah. But if you're in the mindset of project building, curriculum building, you will take that and, and, and you know the other children are interested. If they're all standing there and looking at the moon with you, you know they're all interested. But again, it, like, I, I just wanna like, so this is about magical thinking. And I believe children before the age of four and five have this most amazing magical thinking. Um, they think that, you know, you see a three-year-old jump off a rock, he thinks he can fly. For yeah. sure, he's jumping off that rock flying, right? Yeah. And so they think things are possible. So he, that little guy thought the moon was a person and had a personality, right? Mm -hmm. And that's children. They talk to their stuffed animals. So it's respecting that magical thinking, not saying it's cute, but taking it and building something from that. Yeah. And do you know how much power you give children? 
huge yeah. power you give children. That's yeah. huge. I also like, I love in general, like I hear a lot when you're telling the stories that you kind of ask, like you have the teachers or you think like, what's fascinating about this? What's yes. captivating about this? And then you, you're kind of using the language of like, whatever the noun is, is the vehicle to get there. So yes. like moon is the vehicle to get there. The trucks are the vehicle to get to this like bigger idea yes. of the verb. Excellent. Perfect. You know? Yes. I love that's all it. Great takeaways. <laughs> yes, that's great good. Takeaways. Great, it's, great, it's, very, um, it's very concrete. So I feel yes. like teachers that we can, you know, really grab onto this um, yes. and, and, you know, put it to practice. And I like um, with the moon story and I mean the truck, but it's just such a mundane thing. And I do also just like, this is random, but like outside, things that happen outside, teachers yes. need to take note of those things. Sometimes they yes. when we're all outside as teachers as a whole, we're like, okay, just like, you know. It's a free time, yes, yes. Theme, but the things that happen outside, like you wanna notice, you wanna still, right. so that's great. Like. If you're if you're struggling to find things that your class is maybe or that your class could maybe uh, do project work with, like really take note of those mundane seeming. Yes, right. I I love to when I'm outside, especially use like my seesaw. Like we use mm -hmm. seesaw. Oh, yeah. I like to use seesaw a lot because you always have your phone. So yes, it's a way to kind of document little things they're noticing and doing outside. That's and right. Yes. Those parents, even if they don't become like. A huge thing it's still like nice to notice the little like little no like you know moments yeah. right and like, and i think the other value is when you uh revisit those stories for those children say do you remember when you said how much power you're giving that child that he that i treasured his what his words were that i recited them to him for a child that's very powerful and um, I think, uh, I personally think that lots of children don't say things because somebody has said, oh, that's cute. And somebody has told them, oh, that's silly. That's not the real answer. So guess what? You're not going to get magical thinking out of children. Um, so I think if you have an environment, an open that, and I always use this terminology, I would never have thought of that. And when a child hears a teacher say that, the power and the confidence that you're building in that child to say something else another time yeah. um, is amazing, right? Yeah. So you as the teacher would never have thought of that. Well, you're supposed to have all the power, you're the teacher. So it's just, yeah, it's just that way of talking too is right. also very Reggio inspired. I love that. I just, any time that I've ever said like um, after a child's done like some artwork or something like yes. that, to say to them, you know, you're an artist. They just, yes. you can tell that they really feel that because they didn't yes. think about it that way. And no. it, it is so empowering. Right, yeah. And so I just, I'm gonna segue into play schemas. Yeah, is perfect. that good? Cause I don't want to miss that. Yeah. Um, so, um, so as, uh, as educators, we also, we kind of play games that we say, okay, so here's a noun like colors, right? So colors are a very traditional, very, everybody does colors in early childhood, right? right. So let's take that word colors and transform it into a verb. 
and how do we do that right okay. so then we think about what do we do with colors what do we do with paint colors what do we do with um and it's very traditional we mix colors we transform them into different colors so transforming is a play schema Right. So play schemas. So it's a great segue. So play schemas are from the UK. Um, well, not that they're from the UK because Piaget and Vygotsky talk about play schemas, mm -hmm. and they're not a stage of development. Some people never go into a play schema. Some people never go out of a play schema. So people that as children, like I know myself, I love building forts and tents and um, with my brother and outside we build forts. And today I love camping. So it's that enclosing play schema. Um, so I'm still in it. Yeah. So I'll just go through the play schemas um, and just really briefly, but all children go through them and um, again, it's not a stage of development. It is something that is interesting them. Their brain is urging them to do something. So um, there is transforming. So transforming is making a dramatic change, such as making Play-Doh. So you have salt and flour, and you're transforming it into this dough. That's magical for a yeah. child, right? Um, and then I think about more dramatic is leaves changing color on the trees, that's transforming. So how I, so when I was looking at the verbs, the play schemas just fit all in there because they're all verbs. And so then it gives you a bigger place to go for your big ideas. So um, there's also transporting. So transporting is moving something for no apparent reason from one side of the playground or one side of the room to the other. Yeah. Um, and uh, we have seen all kinds of children do that. Um, then connecting and disconnecting. Children love putting things together. That's why they love Lego. That's why they love blocks. That's why they love tape. Tape is an adult um, thing, and they, you bring out the tape, you've got a morning uh, of activities. I had a little boy today at rest time, like wrapping his foot with tape. <laughs> and they're all so like, he's, yeah. Miss Elliot, he's wrapping yeah. himself up. <laughs> yeah, so he's connecting, and he's probably taking it all back apart, yeah. right? Yeah, it was yeah. ball in his hand, and he loved it. Yeah. So if we can recognize these as play schemas rather than behaviors, it's so much better for children and for us. So much right? better for us. Yes. It, it takes away, and we talk a lot, sorry to interrupt again. It, no, it's okay. We talk a lot about the mindset that you want to be in as a teacher and, and yes. how a mind shift, like to see behavior for what it really is. Yes. It, really really important and this is such an easy way to do that because you can look at a, the play schemas and familiarize yourself and then yes. behavior you can think oh like i know you know yes. i see this girl sliding down the banister on the stairs today yes and i'm like <laughs> oh my god but you know yes when you think about it she's what is she doing right yes like, yeah, so it's like positioning. It's called positioning. So it's her body being in a certain place. It's like those kids that hang upside down, right? Yeah. Those kids that do those, they're walking on a plank and you're afraid they're going to fall. It's, that's positioning. They're looking at what their body can do. 
Um, I'll just, I'll give you a quick story about connecting and disconnecting about shoes in the toddler room. So um, we had this one little child and she had running shoes that tied up. And she was maybe 20 months, 22 months. And she would take her shoes off and she would put her shoes on. She would take her shoes off, walk them to the other side of the room, drop them, come back, go back and get them. So she was doing this and it was driving the teachers crazy. She, they were like, we don't know why she's doing this. She just keeps on and they're really hard to put on. She, and they're all like, we must put these shoes on 20 times a day. And she's just pure joy in this moment. So I'm watching this and I'm watching her really carefully. She's taking her shoes off, trying really hard to put those shoes back on, but you know, she's having a hard time. So I said to them, what if we put a basket of big shoes in the corner, like shoes that she can wear her shoes and then slip her foot in and walk around the room. So as soon as we did that, she stopped taking off her shoes. She was more fascinated with putting her shoe, her feet into something and taking them out. And the big shoes were perfect. So first of all, you gave her a lot of power because she could do it by herself, right? And so um, that story in itself was so simple, but really just uh, defines what play schemas are. Yeah, connecting um, and disconnecting, you were saying? Yeah. Yeah, she wanted to connect to the shoe and then take yes. the disconnect. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I yeah. Like, and I feel like in general, our kids love the transporting. Yes. In our class. Transporting. It's such like a, I like love the new perspective that it brings to like what they're doing every day. Cause right. Alien, they're all doing it together and they, it's just like a team effort. And yes. It's a wonderful play and it's very like meaningful for them. But I'm just, it's just like a new way to look at it. Cause you're like, it's so, so <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah. And there is no real purpose. Yeah. yeah there's no purpose. To and why I, they're putting stuff in the other side of the room. Yeah. And then I like even noticed that my daughter's doing it. Like she's taking yeah. baskets of like just random toys and taking them up to her room all the time. Yeah. And then yeah. bring downstairs. And I'm like. She's oh. transporting. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. Isn't it amazing when you start yeah. looking at it? Like, but then you as an educator can give purpose to that. So one of the years our toddlers were transporting, we put in the uh, recycled grocery bags at one part of the room and we had some big blocks and balls so they could put stuff in the bags. And then we had a dumping station, a big box where they just dumped it in there. Then they'd go back, pick up more, go back. So it's just like, but now it becomes purposeful, right? right. And they're not, um, moving stuff say like paint off the table or the markers off the table right. but because you have to give them something to be able to do, settle their urge of the play schema right if and it's an appropriate thing for your classroom make it appropriate right yes this is such yes. a great thing too for teachers of non like of younger children who are less verbal yes um, when you really know what to look for you can you can start to hone in on a direction or um, yes something that they're really going to like I also want to talk about um, something that came up now that Lindsay and I have been really watching for this. Yes. We, we struggle a lot and we talk a lot about like the idea of like things belonging in certain areas, right? Yes. In the classroom. And, and yes. other teachers wonder about this too with cleanup and things like that. And our feeling just from what we've learned is our primary responsibility is to keep the room the way we like it and the yes children, you know we want them to learn the joy of cleaning and stuff and like sure good but we're not 
really gonna worry too much about it. And at the same, and also the, the real fun and the real engagement comes when they're able to transform and transform. Yes, hurt, yes. And watching them do all of that, our room becomes a disaster <laughs> zone. And the thing is, we're sitting there and we're like, if we didn't let them do this, they would yes. be, they were so engaged for the entire yes. morning. They yes. were taking this, we, ha we had Play-Doh and we had these plastic fish in water in our century mm -hmm. table and we had Play-Doh on the table. It all ended up in the kitchen. Yes. It ended up in the, in the century table and we, they were so engaged in different yes. things. Yes, yeah, and happy, yeah. And put the kibosh on it, you know? I, yes, that's like, right. Like sat there and talked and we're like, okay, so we could put the kibosh on this right now. Yes. A little wild, messy. I mean, like, yes. basically wild, but like it was getting messy. But then we're like, but that would like stop their play in its tracks because this is really part of their like learning and their play right now. And they were doing it so lovely together. Yes. So, And then can... you're going to, and then you're going to, with unengaged children, that's just right. yes. give you a headache because and you're yes. a mother of ball game. So then they're doing other things that are not. So again, I think it's like reframing. How can we make our classroom a transporting classroom, right? To support this play schema. Yeah. And instead of fighting it, because I'm going to tell you, they're going to do it whether you are supplying whatever materials. And that's where loose parts come in. That's so amazing for loose parts in all of that, uh, the, all the play schemas. Yeah. yeah. And it's so interesting because every group is so different. Like our classroom yeah. last year was so different. Our kids last year were so different. This year, they all love the transporting. They love the enclosing. Yes. We kind of changed our loft, our little kitchen space around because sure. they wanted it more like cozy. Yes. So definitely like kind of making the yeah. And yeah, supporting that play, yeah, with the materials, definitely, it makes for a happier everyone. Yeah. I think um, we have to go back to even more transporting. What else can we like let? Them I know we have to like really make the room more like transportable. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. Yeah. yeah. Love so um, Deb Curtis has a book called Children's Lively Minds. Okay. Um, Deb Curtis from Margie and Deb, um, yeah. and uh, it, it just came out, I think, t two years ago. Um, it's an amazing book. It has beautiful photographs. Um, highly recommend it for anybody just starting in on um, play schemas okay. and recognizing it. Yeah. Um, we're probably also going to add these play schemas to our blog. Um, okay. Anyway, like, yes. Heather, this has been amazing is there anything else that you think teachers need to know going into this so i just want to yeah um talk about that this is not a how-to right okay. this is a work in progress that you and your co-teacher have to talk about it and try and i and i also have to say like there is no wrong answer just like the children have no wrong answers right now as preschoolers early kindergartens, um, you as educators get to have not wrong answers. And sometimes you may choose wrong and the children are like, oh no, we're not, you know, that's not what we're interested in, but they'll show you what they're interested in, right? right. So I think you have to try and it doesn't have to be perfect all the time. We can slow down and watch. And, I, and, I, and I'm gonna say, I really encourage, especially some of my teachers that want everything organized, everything in a box, everything, you know, just really black and white, 
to step outside of that. And that's really hard for educators that are like that, right? Yeah. Um, I remember working with a woman way back in the 90s and she would have a box for every month. She would pull out her October box. And, I, and, and even in the 90s, I knew that's wrong. <laughs> Not that it's wrong, but it, there is another way. And there's an exciting way. A there is a really fulfilling sure. way that you are not just dragging yourself in going, oh God, another day of, you know, whatever mess that there is excitement in early childhood and that it, it is about the educator stepping outside that comfort zone and saying, it's okay. Just like you guys are watching the transporting. It's okay. Right. right. Um, and it's that you, rich. now you want to make it rich, right? Now you want to say, what can we add to this so that it's productive, useful play? Right. And, it, and it's okay for like, you know, kind of some projects to kind of fizzle too. I feel like a lot yeah. of kind of have the steam going and you'll be excited about it. And then all of a sudden yeah. it fizzles, like the kids, like their interests go elsewhere. And I feel like that's okay too. Like, let it go. Maybe it'll yes. come back. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah and for try sure. to see that as interesting. I think too, like, Oh, why? I wonder why, like, why yes. did the interest drop? Like, was it because there was like something else came into the picture or was it, was this not, did we not have the focus in the right area or right. something else? So yes. yeah, I think it's great. I, we love the idea of a journey. Yes. I, I'm a black and white person who is like, if I don't do this right on the first try, I'm very yeah. good. So and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm practicing my, my journey skills, my journeying. I'm like, man, it's okay. We'll just give this a whirl. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Always think of the verb. I mean, I have to tell you, always think of the verb. If you think of the verb, then you're going to, you, you'll get it. You'll hit something. I love yes. It. Yes. Okay. Well, think of the verb. Always think yes. of the Yes. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Heather, thank you so much for joining oh. us. This episode's going to be yeah. a cinch to edit because it's, it, it was so succinct. It was oh, nice. super tips. Thank you. This was amazing. This was my first time doing this and you guys made it so easy. Thank you. You really rocked it. This was awesome. Oh, thank you. Very yeah. And like Martha and I love it so much because obviously we're just, this is like constant PD for us. We're like, this is Practical. so fun. We get yeah. to learn so many things and it's just like fun, casual conversations with awesome people. Yes. Thank you. Well, thank you ladies so much. And uh, I'm sure our paths will cross again. Yeah. Yes, sure. I we're excited. This is, we'll hopefully be working together again soon. Yes, perfect. <laughs> Thanks, Lindsay. Thanks, Martha. Okay, bye. 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 So that's our show. If you want to learn more about Heather and the awesome work that she does, you can go to the Sunflower School's website, which is www.thesunflowerschool.ca, or you can contact her at heather at thesunflowerschool.ca. You can also follow her on Instagram at thesunflower underscore studio or at thesunflowerschool. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram at the Reflective Teacher Podcast, where we will be posting lots of awesome teacher takeaways and new information throughout our off season, which starts, like we said, right after this episode. And you can also head over to our blog, www.thereflectiveteacherpodcast.com to learn more about the stuff that we discussed with Heather, 
and see the teacher takeaways written out and get access to the resources that we mentioned, like the awesome play schemas that we talked about with Heather. Please also head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the podcasts like we said before. That really helps us out and gets our podcast out there. And we can't wait to bring you our third season. So until next time, thanks for listening.